Welcome! Welcome, lovely listeners, to another episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Turner, and joining me in our Southern Illinois studios is a man who has yet to get a greet party at the airport when he's flown in. It's producer Mason. How you doing today, Mason? Uh, drowning to death in my own sweat. How about you? <laughs> yeah, pretty much likewise. Uh, here in our studio, it's insulated, but we don't have any air conditioning. So if you hear any clacking noises in the background, it's our fan. And we don't apologize for keeping it on. Heat index of 115 degrees today. And so. apparently <laughs> our uh, compatriot uh, Sean Campbell just literally melted completely away. Him being so cool and all, he just couldn't stand the heat, just melted into a puddle. Uh, a little under the weather today, so he's not with us this week, but that's all right. We've still got plenty of information for you, and it should be a very fun show. Do encourage, want to encourage everyone uh, to go ahead and uh, like us on your podcaster of choice. Please rate and review. It helps the show. And we do encourage you to reach out to us with any uh, comments, you know, thoughts, things to talk about, questions you might like to have answered on the show. You can reach us through either with uh, at Twitter, at Soccer Capital. DMs are open. You can also email, if you prefer, at SoccerCapital at gmail.com. We're even on Instagram at Soccer Capital Podcast as well. So there are ways to reach us if you need to. This week, we're going to start off, as usual, with a little bit of what we have uh, regarding uh, news about St. Louis City SC and the whole club as a whole, the academy, the lower division, the first team. And uh, I guess the first thing is uh, all these players that they've already signed for next year's inaugural season are already starting to arrive in St. Louis and will be this week as the transfer window opens and their contracts have come to an end as of this week. And of course, the first one to come in, or the most notable one, was uh, goalkeeper Roman Berkey, uh, signed away from Dortmund at the end of his contract. He came into the airport last week, uh, had a small group there to greet him, and uh, it was nice. It, we weren't there to greet him. I've never gone to greet anyone at the airport in such fashion, but some people did, and good for them. A nice welcome to the city for Roman Berkey. High expectations for him. Uh, he's coming in. He's a TAM-level player, not a DP, but that's still a lot of money for an expansion uh, team to tie into just a goalkeeper that most teams just pick one up somewhere. But sometimes that doesn't work out for expansion teams. Uh Gives us, uh, Berkey gives us a pretty good spine at the back, especially with the signings of, uh, of, uh, Joachim Nielsen and, uh, Edward Leuven that signed last week as a defensive midfielder. Josh Yarrow, perhaps, is the other one in the defense, uh, really working on getting the defense together, which is generally, you got a solid defense, you keep goals out as an expansion team that gives you a chance to gain some points and have, you know, a fairly successful first season. Uh, say it's going to be really successful will probably be a reach, but, you know, we still got a lot more roster to build as well on top of the players that will be coming in. And the players that are coming in this week, they do get a head start on learning how to play with each other and how the system's going to be. It's a big benefit to St. Louis City SC. Mm -hmm. And speaking of uh, Berkey, uh, he's already 
enmeshing himself with City 2. Um, there were sightings of him at the latest City 2 home game. And he's all, uh, Lutz shared on Twitter a video of him taking drills. So it's all, it has begun, folks. It has begun here in the heat of July. And boy, is it hot. <laughs> and boy, is it hot. Uh, speaking of that City 2 match, what a bummer that was, huh? Yeah. Um, it was, uh, yeah, not, not, not a ton of fun to watch. No, we did a little impromptu Twitter spaces if you, happened to miss it. No, you didn't really miss much. Thanks to Chris for joining us for the majority, if not all of the game. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Uh, made it made it a lot more enjoyable to watch this uh, uninspired match. <laughs> Rapids seemed to come to play. St. Louis City seemed a little leggy, a little tired, perhaps, a little disinterested, perhaps. Uh, uh, Rapids came ready to win. No matter what, faking a lot of injuries, spending a lot of time rolling around on the ground. Not their proudest moment, but they did walk out with a 2-1 win. City only getting their only goal in the 97th minute off of a free kick. Kieran Gibbs found the ball at his feet, knocked it in for his first professional goal, or at least his first goal for City 2. In the game, Anthony Falpel got his first uh, appearance for the MLS Next Pro team. And uh, this ended St. Louis City 2's seven-game unbeaten streak. First time with no points since May 7th for them. Mm -hmm. Which uh, it was going to end eventually, right? Um, eventually. Yeah, but that's a, that's a really solid streak. And stringing all of those wins and draws together has put us in a good spot. Even dropping this game, we have not moved on the table. Yes. Um, and it's it, you know good for Carson Gibbs to, to get his goal. And also for us to not get shut out, you know, it was real late. It was a real kind of garbage time goal. Not a lot of hope, but always nice to not put up a zero. Yeah. And City 2 didn't play terribly. They just didn't get the job done, basically, yeah. is what it comes down to. Uh, they weren't good enough on the night is probably the best way to say it. Uh, they're still in second place in the conference, uh, really behind North Texas by one goal for North Texas. Uh, and that changes the goal differential as well. Uh, next match is Sunday night, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Sunday the 10th. We are off to Minnesota again and um, facing United 2, who kind of handed us our butts last time. Yeah, that was... A 4-0 loss to Minnesota United. That was the first game after the big midweek loss in uh, penalty kicks to Louisville City. Uh, kind of a heartbreaker. They really killed City on the break. Uh, but uh, perhaps uh, maybe Minnesota United's best game that they've had all year is they're currently sixth in the conference. Uh, but they did kind of brutalize City last time. It's a good time to make amends. Maybe the Rapids, too, uh, after the good showing against, uh, well, the first team, the MLS team of Rapids in Colorado, maybe the team just uh, took them a little lightly looking ahead. Who knows? Yeah. Who Off knows? <laughs> Offhandedly, you know, uh, City 2 has lost three games outright, like, you know, lost at regulation. Uh, it has been two 2-1 losses against uh, the Whitecaps, too. Vancouver earlier in the season and then this one against the Rapids and then a 4-0 loss to Minnesota. 
So biggest one off. Yeah, that's yeah. the outlier in the whole thing. Yeah. And like we said, coming off of that uh, really tough loss in a tough game against Louisville City in the U.S. Open Cup. So perhaps that had a lot to do with it. Uh, had some rotations in that game and everything else. Uh, yeah. uh, next home match will be Friday, July 22nd, as they're going to go be out on the road quite a bit here through the end of the season. And that's a big one. Mm -hmm. It's uh, North Texas facing the <laughs> One of us will leave the Conqueror in that match. Um, that's a... A little bit of a ways away, not tremendously, but yeah, things um, could change between now and then. But uh, two of the better teams in the conference, North Texas being part of the FC Dallas Academy, so you know how good they are. Uh, play quite well on the international market with their uh, development. Ricardo Pepe, uh, Callan Acosta came out of there. The Weston McKinney, famously, uh, so they know how to work things in their academy and bring it up. North Texas has been their USL team, joined MLS Next Pro this year. So they have a background, good team. And of course, City is brand new with their MLS Next Pro, but performing quite well. Yeah. Real quick, I do want to wrap that around to Minnesota, who's been 3-2-0 and nil, um, in their last five. But uh, I think that more interesting, they've only played two games against teams above them in the table. It was their most recent last two games. It was a 4-0 loss against North Texas and a 2-0 win against the Whitecaps. So against better competition, they're 1-1 one one in the last two. Uh, <laughs> but they've mostly played weaker competition and in their last five in their most recent form. So it could who knows right maybe yeah. maybe the the boys are going to be real invigorated after taking a heartbreaker loss and really dominate them or maybe they they just have the answer to our play style they seem to be one of the only teams that might that could be they also had a lot of i don't not sure what their lineup's going to look like when they go to play this weekend but in that earlier loss for city 2 they played a lot of uh players that were on their MLS roster as well. And that makes a difference. Mm. A big standout from that loss against Minnesota last time out was uh, Minnesota's really heavy counter press. So if they run yeah. that kind of a play again, City 2 is really going to have to uh, respond in kind and not just keep doing the press over and over again. City 2's been good at recovering. I think a lot was the hangover from the U.S. Open Cup loss. Also, I think they learned a lot from that game as well. So yeah. we'll see. It's uh, That was much earlier in the season, and yeah. uh, City 2 is proving to be one of the very strongest teams in uh, MLS Next Pro. Yeah, important to keep remember back to that, that uh, Lou City Open Cup game that went the whole 90 and then all of extra time and then deep into penalties. That all the way was to goalkeepers a, on penalties. Yeah, that was a gauntlet of a game. On the road. Midweek. So, understandable that maybe they were just tired. <laughs> and with a young team, you know, a brand new team. And, uh, you know, City 2 isn't the only brand new team under the umbrella of St. Louis City that's uh, had some success this week, though. 
Uh, U16's kind of successful. They made it all the way to the semifinal game of the MLS Next Cup. They took on DC United and took the loss 2-1 in really heart, kind of heartbreaking fashion. Uh, they went down early, got the equalizer, but then gave up another goal on some wonderful individual play by DC United player. Uh, and then at the end, uh, the U16s for City were all over DC United. They hit the woodwork. They had a goal line clearance by a field player. And then they got a penalty kick and it was saved by the goalkeeper for DC United. Uh, the last 10 minutes was all City. They just couldn't put the equalizer through and they took the loss to DC United, who did go on and win the final, so at least they lost to the eventual champion in that. Still a, a great showing for the U16s. First year as an academy, and they made it all the way to the semifinals and made a heck of a game against the champions in the semifinals. So very good for them. A very nice showing. Very proud of them. And a real gutsy game to close it out, even if they couldn't advance. Um but yeah, uh, yeah, first team academy advancing all the way to the semifinals in the playoffs is impressive. It is, and uh, real no t- no two ways about that one. <laughs> Woke up a little late that day, but did catch uh, most of the uh, well the end of the first half and all of the second half. And really thought they were going to win it there at the end. They were all over DC United, but they just couldn't get the ball over the line. But it wasn't from a lack of trying. One last thing before we uh, wrap it up with uh, City 2. Nice little thing this afternoon is our old friend on this show, friend of the podcast, Larry Henry Jr., has been doing some work with the uh, MLS Next Pro website, and he had a nice article out today about uh, some of the names on the St. Louis City 2 roster that could be on the opening uh, opening day roster next year for the first team. Uh, listed five names, most of them what you would expect. You got Josh Yarrow and Juan Cousin, the ones already with some MLS experience. Uh, listed Vitor Diaz, uh, Max Schneider, who's quietly doing a phenomenal job. And, uh, of course, Josh Doling up front. So very nice to hear from, read that from Larry, having watching the team and, uh, if you get a chance, you can go ahead and uh, take a look at that at uh, MLSNextPro.com. Maybe, if he's feeling up to it, Mason could put a link to that in the show notes when we're done. <laughs> I will certainly try to remember that. Because, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Larry Henry Jr. has been nothing but kind to us and um, like to like to share his work. Because he's good. He is good. He is good. And I think that wraps up everything we got for City. It's time for us to take a little look at uh, what's happened this week, because it was a very busy week with a lot of midweek games in Major League Soccer. Yeah, we had a lot of double-up games. They just, <laughs> MLS been been gaming this week. <laughs> and it's going to happen a lot because of the squeezed-in schedule because yeah. of the World Cup. And I imagine it's going to be like that in the upcoming years as well. Uh, because you're in the hard place between hard winners in half of the league and uh, taking a month off for the League's Cup against uh, Liga Mekis. So we're probably going to have all the games coming fast and furious, including next season in uh, St. Louis City's inaugural year. Although next season, they will have the schedule more dictated by themselves with the new uh, uh, broadcast package. So 
Yeah. Because the plan is it, if I remember correctly, and I've already gotten one thing wrong on this Apple TV deal. So don't pillory me if I've got the days wrong. Okay. This is a pretty minor mistake. I believe that they are shooting only for Wednesday and Saturday games. That's what was said. Yes. Though they're still open to broadcasts, uh, rights, uh, you know, cable cast, whatever, outside of this streaming package. Looking at ESPN, Fox, perhaps some other people, there could be Sunday games involved there, if need be. But that would be one or two a week, and generally for the national TV package. And then also, remembering back, those would also be on Apple TV. So That is, yes, every game will be on Apple TV. Not sure how that's going to work with the uh, contract. And of course, don't pillory Mason for about the Apple TV package. There's plenty of other things you can pillory him for. Just just pay attention. <laughs> but we are not talking about the TV rights package anymore. We're talking about the recent past. Yeah, very recent past. And uh, we're going to start off this week with uh, the Eastern Conference in MLS. Bit of a roulette wheel. Uh, who's going to be atop the conference? We heard it clacking, it rolled, and at the end of this week... It's the New York Red Bulls. Really kind of surprising considering what you expected uh, at the beginning of the season. Yeah, because they had a slow start. Uh, especially at home. But they're still monsters on the road. Uh, they uh, played Sporting Kansas City. This was an ugly, physical, concacafy kind of game. Really had Peter Vermees of Sporting Kansas City vexed at the end. As the Red Bulls were time-wasting, fouling everybody they could possibly reach, and even once they couldn't, uh, actually ended up with a uh, red card after they took a 2-1 lead in this one, but Sporting KC could not break them down. It was a big win for the Red Bulls on the road, and uh, this ugly, chaotic sort of game is really the traditional Red Bull sort of way. And really kind of a foreshadowing of what to expect from Lutz's desired style of play for St. Louis City SC. Uh, with the same sort of Red Bull, quote, energy drink soccer is disrupt. Mm -hmm. uh, press high. Uh, get in their faces. Cause problems. And make the game ugly and chaotic. And take advantage of that and do it quicker than your opponents. And that's, you know, once you get what you need to do in those presses and this style of play, and it becomes automatic for the players, then it's just embrace the chaos and outlast the other team. Fitness will also be a big deal. And we've kind of seen that already in MLS Next Pro with City 2 and their fitness levels seeming to be higher Though if they rely on the same starting 11 more and more, sometimes you see them get a little leggy. But for the most part, they seem to be in much better shape. A little quicker, a little faster, and uh, and they do well up until the end. And usually it's with substitutions that come in. We see the breakdowns more than I say uh, them being unfit. Though they do, it does wear down a team. So it's something to keep an eye on. Red Bulls are managing it well, as you would expect. Gerhard Struber's a very good coach, was noted to be a very good coach coming into MLS. And uh, 
Also, the Red Bulls had a big week. They won as well midweek over Atlanta United on a 89th minute goal to take that 2-1 win there as well. So a big week for New York Red Bulls, their leader in the Eastern Conference. Uh, the latest leader before them was uh, CF Montreal. Uh, they traveled to Seattle and to the LA Galaxy, and it went just as you would expect in an MLS sort of way. Uh, they waltzed into Seattle and beat the reigning uh, Continental Champions in a 2-1 win there on a brace by Mason Toy. Then they traveled down uh, over the weekend to L.A. and just got thumped by the L.A. Galaxy, who had not been playing well lately. Yeah, the uh, Galaxy brutalized Montreal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's kind of a, a strange week, but uh, CF Montreal still at the top, still playing quite well, and still without Jordi Mihaljevic. So see how that goes when he comes up. They're hanging on. Struggling to hang on is NYCFC, who had their run at being at top of the conference and was flying high. And then head coach Ronnie Dahlia decided to uh, move and ply his trades in Europe in the upcoming season. And they've been scuffling ever since he left. Uh, they had just perhaps the craziest game uh, in the MLS season, and that says a lot. In a 4-4 draw against FC Cincinnati, this one was one for the books, basically. Uh, Cincinnati went up 3-0 in the first half, getting a brace from Brenner, the oft-complain-about-high-dollar uh, signing that hasn't lived up to expectations. Been playing a lot better this season and played very well in this game. Uh, but then, starting the 45th minute and through at least seven minutes of stoppage time, NYCFC managed to make it 3-3 at uh, halftime. First time in MLS history that a team went down 3-0 in the first half and managed to make it even by the half. And NYCFC came out in the first 10 minutes, second half took a 4-3 lead until Brenner completed his hat trick and we finished with a 4-4 draw. It, it, it's... It, it. What a game. <laughs> you don't usually say that about what ends in a draw, but I don't know, man. You look at the two teams on like that are here, right? Would you have expected a result like this at the start of the season? <laughs> no, at the start, no. Honestly, and even with well, how well Cincinnati's been playing, would you expect a result like this? <laughs> well, kind of. You would expect Cincinnati to blow a 3-0 lead. I could expect them with Brandon Vasquez and Lucho Acosta and Brenner and uh, the attacking team that they have to jump out to the lead and with their, you know, sad sack defense to go ahead and blow that lead. But then to come back after giving up the lead and come back and, and get the result, it's a big win for Cincinnati, actually, even though it's just a draw. But they're still in a playoff spot. They're still fifth place in the conference, so uh, they are much better than they have been, and uh, it's really hard to make fun of them this year, and good for the fans in Cincinnati. They've been supporting this team through thick and thin, and almost all thin, uh, but uh, they got a good team to watch right now. They're exciting, if nothing else. Yeah, they're, they're on the hunt. They're after you. And NYCFC really, I think, 
they're winless in the last four or five, including a uh, U.S. Open Cup loss to New York Red Bulls. And in the uh, that was a midweek game against Cincinnati over the weekend. They took on Atlanta United, missing their goalkeeper, all the defenders, half of the midfield. And they were up 2-1 and gave up a 86-minute goal to who's what's become super sub Dom Dwyer, formerly of Orlando and Sporting Kansas City. He's fourth goal of the season for him in just 200-some-odd minutes played. And uh, that ended up a 2-2 draw. Tough week for NYCFC. They're really scuffling. Cincinnati kept up the entertainment, however, over the weekend with a 2-2 result at New England. This was a nice game for the neutral. All about the attack. A couple of very suspect defenses in this one. Uh, New England's now unbeaten in 10. They lost Adam Buska, their forward, uh, left for Europe. They transferred him out. They went ahead and signed Giacomo Veroni, uh, ostensibly from Juventus, played last year on loan at the Austrian Bundesliga side, uh, uh, Tiro. Uh, had a very good season. He's an Albanian international. Looks to be a good fit. And it's really funny to see New England and with coach Bruce Arena really be active in the international transfer market in and out in this fashion. Uh, so good on the New England's playing well. They're not the machine that they were last year, but uh, they're, they're playing well now after a very, very shaky beginning. As opposed to the next team in our list in the Eastern Conference, the Philadelphia Union. They started off the year very strong, and now they're been very shaky and uh, uh, what's a they haven't been impressing I think is the best way to say as of late middling unfortunately yeah sort of treading water or or worse uh, on the weekend they were saved by their goalkeeper Andre Blake which is not the first time we say that and probably not the last <laughs> yeah. uh, but they had to settle for a uh, Nil-nil draw at Columbus, but midweek they suffered an embarrassing 1-0 loss against the Chicago Fire, and if you do the math, let's total that up, yes, that's zero goals in two games this week for Philadelphia. That kind of sums up their current form and everything that's going on around them. And next up is Inter-Miami who is improving. Uh, they did get a draw uh, this week uh, at FC Dallas. They are 6-3-3 three, and three in their last 12 games. That's 21 points. And it looks like that uh, the problems they had, the sanctions that they got from MLS for their front office shenanigans actually saved them from the front office shenanigans <laughs> uh, of setting up this team right now they seem to have a team that fits plays together plays an exciting style well somewhat exciting if not necessarily good but they're getting results and uh, it, it it's good to see it's good to see we need a it'd be good to have a team in such a high profile world market as miami it's good for mls well and to wrap it up i think we got to talk about maybe the most impressive result from yesterday 
Uh, at least perhaps one of the most impressive players so far in the early season that hardly anyone's talking about, and that's uh, Taxi Fontas of DC United. He came in late to the team. He got a hat trick over uh, against Orlando over the weekend, led him to a 5-3 win against Orlando. That gives him nine goals in 10 games. He didn't even join into the team until late April, and he already has nine goals. Very impressive. Orlando can take solace in the fact that uh, they're into the semifinals of the uh, U.S. Open Cup, uh, taking on New York Red Bulls. With this one, they got a win over Nashville in the midweek in uh, penalty kicks there. Yeah, but Taxi Fontas is uh, tearing it up. Um, I know this isn't a term that's used often in soccer, but he had a natural hat trick. One, two, three. He scored all three of his goals in a row. Yeah. He's been extremely good, perhaps a little overlooked, because DC United is not that good, and they're pretty low on the table in the Eastern Conference. But with a player like him and Julian Gressel, if they can get themselves together, uh, perhaps they can come on. You know, they got rid of their uh, coach, uh, Hernan Lasada, in the season. Everything was set up under his pressing style, didn't fit everybody that was left on the team. Uh they got rid of a couple of players, especially Paul Areola, which is a big loss on this. A lot of the, some of the other signings didn't come on for him, but Fontas has been fantastic, and Gressel is quality. We know, from especially from his time with Atlanta United. Yeah, we're uh, we're kind of getting into the dog days, but there is still time on the season. If Taxi can put this team on his back and stay hot like this, we could see DC in the playoffs. Yeah, especially, I hate to say it, but with FC Cincinnati in front of them, uh, Atlanta United's not very far ahead of them, and they are just been destroyed by injuries and not playing well. you got to enter Miami ahead of them. These are not names that make a team particularly scared uh, about the gauntlet that they have to go through to get into, well, an extremely forgiven, forgiving uh, playoff structure in MLS as well. But uh, that pretty much is about all i got to say about the Eastern Conference for this week. Moving on to the Western Conference, still led by Los Angeles Football Club. LAFC uh, has 36 points, leading everyone in the entire league. The Supporter Shield winners were surprised, though, on July 4th by Vancouver. Uh, was it on July 4th or on the Sunday? That Vancouver LAFC game was on Saturday the 2nd. Saturday the 2nd. Oh, okay. Missed that by a by a mile. Uh, Vancouver gets a 1-0 win over LAFC. Gareth Bale has been introduced as the new signing, but did not play in this as the window hasn't opened. Uh, for Vancouver, they recently signed a designated player about three, four games ago. His name's Andreas Kubas. He's a defensive midfielder. And he's really kind of changed the trajectory of this team. He's the one that scored the goal as a defensive midfielder. He'll only get him two, three times. A well-taken goal. And uh, But what he has done is he's come in. He's cut down on the number of goals that Vancouver's giving up, allowing them to recover from the loss of... Uh, Maxine Cropot, I was going to say, uh, just by making the other defensive players in the midfield and the back line better around him. And it just goes to show what a good 
to great defensive stopper can really change in a team. We've seen it over the years with the Portland Timbers with Diego Chara. Uh, Tyler Adams had done the same for years with New York Red Bulls. St. Louis City is hoping and praying that uh, Edward Leuven is that type of player, though that's yet to be seen. So that's exciting. Uh, Vancouver was really kind of bailed out by Maxime Cropot being very good in net. But if you have someone who's kind of league average in that, you can really bail them out if you have good D. Yeah, you can. Uh, however, LAFC is the thing. Cropot is far and away the best goalkeeper they've ever had in the history of that club. And their leading supporter shield, their defensive qualities over last year, so much higher. I don't think that's, you know, that's not coincidence. No. And the same thing goes with Roman Berkey joining uh, St. Louis City SC. I think him matched with a couple of uh, proven international players on the back line, like uh, Joaquin Nielsen. Uh, you bring in Edward Leuven with uh, youth experience in the German national team. You got internationals uh, helping in the defense. Uh, Berkey can help tighten that down and Gives us hope that uh, the first season won't be a disaster in the expansion year for St. Louis City SC, which is the last thing we want. No, if, if you've got a good goalie and a good D, then that's a wall, right? That's what uh, Nashville did. Yeah, but if you've got an average goalie and good D, then you kind of you, you elevate them both a little yeah. bit. If you've got a decent goalkeeper and bad defense in front of them. Oh, you're, that you're leaking like a be sieve. Eaten alive. Yeah, you're leaking like a sieve. Yeah. Which is what happened to Vancouver early in the season because they had a pretty average goalkeeper, but yeah, their defense just let everything through. Yeah. Uh, they got bailed out by that by Maxime Cropot being above average, but uh but all that being said, uh LAFC's only 2 points ahead in the Western Conference and in the Supporter Shield over Austin. Mm-hmm. Sleeper Austin, hits. Uh, the second year club, uh, we were expecting to see how they could handle a 10-game stretch after they feasted on poor competition very early at home. I'd say they're eating the even better off of strong competition. <laughs> they're thriving right now. Uh, they're showing confidence and poise. They had to come back twice this week, but they did. They got the draw against FC Dallas, and then they came back and... Uh, from the two-goal deficit to beat Colorado in this game. Uh, Sebastian Gerisi is performing at an MVP-level quality, and the team just, uh, they have belief in themselves. They just keep playing their game, and they keep uh, getting results at the end of the day. It's been a good run for the last uh, couple of weeks for Austin. Meanwhile, Colorado's defense is just a shadow of last year's team. They just seem to have gotten themselves stretched and a little narrow in defense. And sort of similar can be said of Nashville, who moved from the Eastern Conference, where they finished, what, second last year? Um, Kind of anticipated somewhere similar, and they're doing okay in the Western Conference, but it's not a cakewalk. And their beautiful new stadium hasn't really been uh, the sort of fortress that they were hoping for either, as they gave up two late goals at home, to the Portland Timbers to have to settle for a 2-2 draw over the weekend. Uh, the Timbers, however, are starting to find their feet. Nashville also lost in the U.S. Open Cup to uh, Orlando uh, during this week. So not a great week for Nashville. 
they've really got Hani Mukhtar and a bunch of other people that are kind of underperforming in the attack. Defense getting a little better on set pieces, but they've been vulnerable. Also, their late game defense has been vulnerable, which they weren't at all last year. So it's something to keep an eye on. Is the Western Conference that much tougher for them? Mason thought though at the beginning of the season, but uh, I didn't believe it. But uh, they're still doing all right. They're still a quality team, but they're just not as strong as anticipated. And we've heard some frustrations from head coach uh, Gary Smith about that players not performing, etc. I'm not like going to gloat about it or anything, but if you remember way back to when we did our preseason uh, previews, um, yeah, I thought that the Western Conference was going to be tougher for Nashville to compete in, and they were going to slip a little bit. That's kind of what happened. Um, it has been kind of a bummer that Geodis Park has been christened the same way that you would christen a new ship to shatter a bottle of champagne on it, and the bottle doesn't shatter. Um <laughs> At least the ship didn't shatter. <laughs> yeah, <they're, laughs> that would be actually quite funny. Um, but yeah, Geodis Park, which is a very nice park from everything I've heard, uh, has not had a good game played in it for Nashville, really. <laughs> no, it hasn't been the fortress that was anticipated. Uh, but we anticipate next year they'll move back to the Eastern Conference, see if they have a little bit better luck when they make that move. When uh, St. Louis City comes in. Also in the West, Seattle had an up and down week as uh, they hosted CF Montreal, entered an uh, interconference uh, showdown, and they took it on the chin 2 1, as we mentioned earlier. Then they traveled over to Toronto, making a, you know, getting their fill of Canadians this week, and they shut down Toronto 2 0. Heavily rotated squad with a lot of young kids on the squad, though the uh, 16, 17-year-old Obed Vargas who played so well in CCL is now injured and out and not performing. They still got a lot of performance from their kids. Just what the league wanted to hear about Seattle, uh, bringing in the youth on top of everything else they have. Uh, Toronto's defense is really kind of a mess in this one. They just don't seem to be playing well together. Bob Bradley's got... A lot of work on his hands here is they really need to tear this down. They got, uh, you know, high profile signing Lorenzo Insigne coming in very shortly, but he's not going to help with that defense. And I don't know with uh, Alejandro Pozuelo not really fitting into the system for Bob Bradley. Jonathan Osorio seems to be lost. Is Insigne going to be able to just bring by himself enough goals to overcome their defense. I don't see that happening, but of course they'll play that on the field. And then finally, for MLS, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Quakes. They were Team Chaos, but they kind of gave up the chaos when they uh, fired head coach uh, Matias Almeida early on this season when they were terrible. Uh, they haven't been terrible since, but they've been a lot less, a lot more boring but they did have a, a true moment of chaos this week on a particular goal as they were playing the Chicago Fire. Uh, if, I, I encourage you to look up the video because it's quite fun. Yeah, it's uh, it's in the like the official MLS highlights, which is where I saw it. Um, yeah, it's oh, I don't really even know how to explain this sequence. They hit the it's... woodwork <laughs> twice. 
Yeah, uh, they hit Chicago po- post, got a block. Post crossbar deflection save. save spilled save from Slonina and then finally a goal. <laughs> and the whole time Gaga Slonina is uh just oh, he's all over at, the place. <laughs> yeah, just willy-nilly. He's all over the place. Looks like a video game character stuck in a loop. It's- yeah. <laughs> he's going every which way. Uh still couldn't make the save. It was a true chaos goal. And San Jose still just barely above Sporting Kansas City at the very bottom of the Western Conference, but they are six, four, and three since getting rid of Almeida. Uh, and that's 21 points in the last 13 games. That shows how bad they were yeah. under Matias Almeida. Yeah. Who was considered to be an extremely good coach coming in and probably still is. Not for San Jose. Not for San Jose, no. I don't think ownership did him any favors either. And that's what we got uh, for this week in MLS. Next week, we'll probably have a little bit more information for you on transfers as the transfer window opens on Thursday of this week. Uh, It's always good to keep an eye on MLS. You want to know who the players are, who the teams are as St. Louis City gets ready and they'll be up and running. You know, not that far away, is it, now that the... uh, the European signings are starting to trickle into St. Louis and start to prepare, uh, getting ready for next year's preseason, which will be here before we know it. And the cold weather of uh, the winter when they everything seems close seems pretty nice right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also, yeah, the milestones are coming harder and faster now. We've got first team players arriving. Uh, the stadium is just nearly finished. Uh, they're putting in seats, the field's already in. Yeah, it's, uh... Yeah, I saw a photo that, uh, they're getting the, uh, field, uh, the actual field itself prepped on the training field. They've got the irrigation pipes and the, uh, underpinnings set ready to possibly start laying sod soon. That's exciting. Once you get the training fields up, then, uh, the academy, the... MLS Next Pro can move into the same campus, and that's what Lutz's dream is, to have everybody there in the same place. Mm-hmm. Exciting stuff. Well, I think to wrap this out, we've got uh, some USMNT news, but not the not the big club, USMNT. But big news. Big news. Uh, actually, it's an under-20s team. Paxson Aronson and some other names you know uh, played in a CONCACAF tournament that was a combined... Qualifying tournament for both the U-20s World Cup and for the 2024 Olympic team. And they qualified. The big deal is, if you followed the U.S. men's national team, you know that uh, they haven't qualified for the Olympics since 2008. A lot of observers think it's been a real problem in developing some of the younger players without that opportunity. But they're going to be in in 2024. They'll also be in the under-20s World Cup, which they've been in before. Uh, Kind of strange that qualifying for two big, huge tournaments were done at one time for CONCACAF. But hey, work for the U.S. Not going to complain. Yeah. Uh, Smile, nod, and keep on walking. That's what (laughs) I got to say. Exactly. But yeah, just uh, I think that like, yeah, the men's national team not qualifying or, you know, not going to the Olympics since 2008 is, uh, you know, has had a big knock on effect for both the kind of loss of confidence in the men's national team 
but maybe also has what has ultimately led to a lot of these big wins for the women's national team, which continue to show out and win a lot of these competitions. Yeah, but we're back now. So quick side note for the Olympics. It's really that's an under 23s tournament with uh, two, three exceptions. I think three exceptions for overage players. Uh, and of course, the U20s World Cups for players 20 and under. Uh, a couple of other quick notes. Uh, European journalist Fabrizio Romano, the transfer guru, is reporting that Tyler Adams will be going to Leeds United to join up again with Jesse Marsh and with uh, Brandon Aronson and to make the MLS triumvirate complete. Uh, Jack Harrison, formerly of NYCFC, is also at Leeds. Uh, so that's a report from what is considered a very reliable source. If it gets over the line, uh, could be exciting for Adams to move. Uh, but he's been with uh, RB Leipzig for so long. Hopefully he can make the change over into the uh, Premier League and not get himself injured, which has been a problem for Adams heading into the World Cup. Uh, uh, in November. Uh, also, possible backup goalkeeper, even Ethan Horvath, uh, saw his the guy in front of him at Nottingham Forest uh, not renew his contract. There was thoughts that he could start in the Premier League. It's not happening. They signed a goalkeeper, a good one, and they've gone ahead and loaned uh, Horvath out to Luton Town in the championship. So, See if he gets game time and gets the starts at Luton Town. Horvath's career, he has not gotten get starts. That's why he's always been on the outside looking in. And that's pretty much summed up his European career. And kind of leaves the door open for Sean Johnson to sneak in and get that third goalkeeper job for the World Cup. But uh, still got some time to figure that out. and we'll, we'll have a lot more of that this fall when the temperatures aren't quite so miserably hot <laughs> anything else this week mason anything else you wanted to mention i think that that is all we really got uh let's make this one a quick hit show i think i think we'll wrap it up and i'm your host mike turner and i'm your producer mason and for our missing compatriot sean campbell i say we are the soccer capital podcast and we thank you very much for listening bye for now 